Thursday, August 3rd. It is Jack's fourth birthday. So, man, time is marching on. The Duchess has arrived in town, and hopefully you plan on arriving in San Francisco on Saturday at Victory Hall, where we're having our first Plus Mania event. I see we got uh, uh, everyone talking and chatting already about how excited they are to finally meet each other. We got Stacy Leo this morning saying, hey, Michelle, I'm looking forward to finally meeting you and everyone on Saturday. Michelle Haberman's like, hell yeah, going to be fantastic. And then AJ Cruz, he's got a pretty good idea here. He says we ought to wear name tags with our YouTube handles so we know who's who. Yeah, that, that, that actually isn't a bad idea. But, uh, uh, you know, I'm not wearing a name tag. I'm Damon. Hello and welcome. And you don't have to wear one either. Just come on up and say hello when you get there. We're starting at 3 o'clock, and we're going to be watching some baseball uh, from over at the Coliseum, and it should be a real good time to thank all of you for so much incredible support that you have given us here on the plus. It means an awful lot. Look, we got some stuff to get into this Thursday. I got kind of a busy afternoon again. My mom is in town, got a couple things cooking, and an iron in the fire, which could lead to us having a very cool and exclusive interview with Trace Jackson Davis for you later this week, if not early next week. So uh, some things are cooking, to say the least. And let me get a little sip there. Not officially a sip of the day. I'm going to make the overhit today. Uh, I don't know where the line was set. I don't have any action on this. But we'll, we'll have the official sip of the day probably later in the show. Look, the Pac-12 is on life support. There's no other way to say it. And I hate that there are so many people like wringing their hands together, gleefully cheering on the death of the Pac-12. Like when I was growing up, the Pac-12 was just cool as hell. That's I remember looking at Cal's helmets and just thinking, those are the coolest helmets like I think I've ever seen. Those are really, really cool. What is going on with those helmets? You know, we're, we're, we're Cal, Cal, what Cal, the entire state of California, that's script Cal USC, obviously UCLA, those powder blues. It was a cool conference and it is anything but that right now. And, you know, John Wilner, who is uh, a guy who's been covering the Pac-12 for years, and he is not one to give into hyperbole or get caught in any sort of clickbait, uh, you know, yellow journalism. He's just not that kind of a guy. John Wilner is a mild-mannered reporter if there ever was one. So that's when I think everyone should be alarmed when he's tweeting, John Wilner sent out, I officially expect the future of the Pac-12 to be determined in the next 24 to 36 hours. Like, it feels like we're at event horizon for this conference. Um, and, and how did we get here? Well, it started, obviously, with USC, which has always been the cool kid at the table in the Pac-12, deciding I'm too cool for this school, this conference, and UCLA just saying, hey, man, where, where you go, we go with you. So USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten next season is kind of where you know a lot of these problems really began tick-tocking out loud, even though you could say, Hey, the first problem was hiring Larry Scott as the worst commissioner of all time before he hands the baton to George Klyakov, who clearly did not understand the assignment that he had been given here or approach it with any sense of urgency. Because after USC and UCLA say, we're, we're out of here, then Colorado doesn't take very long and we'll be joining the Big 12 next season. And apparently Arizona, Arizona State and Utah 
can all be considered for Pac-12 or excuse me, Big 12 inclusion as well, abandoning the Pac-12. The real reluctance here is that no school wants to be the school that officially kills the Pac-12. And it feels like that that might be the next departure is exactly what we'd be looking at. Certainly a Pac-12 that wouldn't look anything like what you've become accustomed to um, over the years. Yesterday, yesterday, the story for the Pac-12 got even worse. When it was officially leaked that the Big Ten has begun all sorts of exploratory official quid pro quo that would have to happen before they would come raid more of the Pac-12 for itself. The Big Ten is considering Washington and Oregon very seriously as members with the possibility of Cal and Stanford even coming along. Now the reluctance there in the Big 12 in the Big 10 is that Cal and Stanford both collectively deliver nothing from a media standpoint even though they deliver this massive market that is the Bay Area. The Bay Area really doesn't flock to either of those schools in any way shape or form, whether it be TV, radio, consumption of any kind, there isn't an awful lot of it. But look, I can tell you enough about the Big Ten to where they still care about academics and adding Cal and Stanford to just re, you know research institutions to the Big Ten is something that they should absolutely consider. And, you know, they're respectable programs. Certainly Stanford's robust athletic department all the way around is something to behold. And you know, what is Cal really good at? We, we, we don't know. They don't know. But Cal matters. Cal doesn't not matter. But Oregon and Washington, all right, those are the big dogs remaining. And if those were the big dogs to leave the Pac-12, who is left to really bark? It feels like everyone that would remain in the Pac-12 is officially standing in the, well, you losers weren't really desirable and no other conference came for you. So you can stick here in the pac six, seven, eight, whatever you've been reduced to if more exodus is really around the corner. So Pete Thamel for ESPN says the Big Ten has begun exploratory discussions about potential additions, saying it's commissioner's job to keep conference chancellors and presidents informed about new developments as they occur. And apparently Washington and Oregon are developments that could be occurring. Now, this just comes yesterday after it's finally sort of brought to the public with the sort of fanfare that is the shrug emoji that Apple TV might become the Pac-12's media sponsor. How happy, how happy is Apple TV that the remaining Pac-12 chancellors didn't say, oh, media deal? Yeah, let's sign that immediately. Let's get that puppy put to bed. No, they're continuing to twiddle their thumbs on that. And if you are Apple, how would you even want to extend this deal to the Pac-12 if it means you're not getting Oregon, you're not getting Washington, you're not getting USC or, Stan or, or, or UCLA? Come on. I mean, wh wh who is going to go to Apple TV or sign up specifically for Apple TV to see what's left of the Pac-12? It's just, it's, it's not going to happen, right? So this is a crucial moment. Like John Wilner saying the next 24, 36 hours, these are a big deal. So it's something to keep an eye on. Um, there are potential headwinds 
by the way, that could prevent maybe Washington or Oregon because USC had been a strong opponent of allowing another West Coast school into the Big Ten. Um, that was part of the USC's initial strategy. They said, all right, we're going to come. UCLA can come. But then that's it from the West Coast. Well, here's the deal, USC. All you are in the Big Ten is the new guy. You don't get to set any rules. You, you know, if you had a situation that was so good, you would have stayed there. You're not going anywhere. You know, well, what about the fertile re recruiting ground that is, uh, you know, uh, Los Angeles? And this means that Oregon and Washington are still going to come. They were still going to come to Los Angeles to recruit anyways. But you got bigger problems than that. You got the entire Big Ten now coming. You know, Wisconsin's going to show up. Iowa's going to show up in Los Angeles going, hey, who, who wants to play? So... You know, the USC, you're no longer in position to call your shots on anything. You just shut up, play football, and try to win games. That's all you do now. You go right back to the back of the line. You're in the Big Ten now. You know, you want to keep claiming those national championships and all those conference championships? Go ahead. They're from a conference that is dissolving, and your national titles won't be recognized by Ohio State or Michigan or Penn State ever. I, just, I know that. I feel that in my blood. So if not Washington or Oregon, apparently Big Ten presidents could also see a look eastward to an ACC that could be dissolving. Virginia, North Carolina are thinking about maybe looking around. And the story that came out of Florida State yesterday, Tallahassee, is that they could be looking to leave the ACC as well. They're not happy with their cut of the media pie in their conference deal. So... It's a freaking mess. It's an absolute mess. And really what we're heading towards is something that I was telling you about the other day. The Big Ten and the SEC are essentially about to become the AFC and the NFC of major college football. That's what we're looking at. And then you'll have the Big 12, which, you know, can say we'll hold our weight against anybody and they have some good schools in that program, there's no doubt. But again, the Big 12 is losing the bell of its ball, which has always been Texas and, and Oklahoma to the SEC. Once that happens, will another Big 12 school decide, all right, now it's time for us to start court? I mean, we, 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 got, we have a ridiculous amount of conference movement happening once again. We have conferences, you know, what are there, 16 teams in the Big 10? We got to start changing some of these conference names. I don't care how, you know, in, in, you know, surrounded by tradition they may be. You can't call yourself ten and have sixteen, eighteen, twenty schools. It's that that's a little nuts. So this is quite a moment, quite a moment for college basketball and mostly football fans because that's where so much of this is generated from. But basketball fans as well. This is a massive massive changing landscape that continues to happen and continues to catch the Pac-12 flat-footed like a fat cornerback who wasn't ready to backpedal when the ball was snapped. Like Larry Scott is far and away the worst, least effective, limp-wristed commissioner of any major conference we have ever seen. Larry Scott so thoroughly sucked at his job, there will be classes taught one day about how bad he is at it. So now George Klyakov obviously has to come in with a mop and bucket, but at the same time, he didn't understand how quickly he needed to start cleaning up.
And these Pac-12 chancellors who have, you know, put their thumb on the scale when it comes to, well, we need to do more research and patience, and we're still looking for a better media deal than that. The collective buffoonery and the time it's taken to put any sort of media deal together is exactly the amount of time you need to kill a conference. The Pac-12. I don't care which commissioner you're talking about, what school you're talking about. The Pac-12 as a conference has been thoroughly outmaneuvered at every single turn. All of them. You know, we talked about what would be left. What does the Pac-12 really have left to sell? Well, maybe uh, the... The, uh, the the proud history of Washington football, you know, those great uniforms, those purple uniforms, and Michael Penix Jr. Uh, in, in a possible Dark Horse Heisman campaign. They got that to sell going forward. Well, they won't have him to sell going forward after this year. But going forward, it's still Washington, uh, great stadium, great venue, and Oregon's cool uniforms. You'll You'll have that to sell. Well, what if you had neither of those to sell? Almost. Let me tell you about some folks that are selling their wares here on the Plus, and I thank them very much for being our, let's just call them what they are, our flagship sponsors. It starts with my guy Ike of Ike Sandwiches. Uh, two new sandwiches, premium sandwiches, have recently hit that menu. You want to check it out, sign up for the Ike's app and the rewards program, and you can be among the first to try his new Wagyu pastrami sandwich, which is called Arrow. He's got another sandwich called Florian, which he's billing as the single greatest vegetarian sandwich ever offered by any sandwich shop in America. You go ahead, you check out the new offerings. You go back to the Golden Oldies, which of course the Damon Bruce, the Jamie Sirewitch, the Paul Rubens, rest in peace. We lost Pee Wee this week. Um, great sandwiches all around at Ike's. Go find out for yourself. You are going to love eating at Ike's. You are going to love the burgers at Uncle Boy's, a San Francisco original in the inner Richmond. When you're on your way home from downtown or somewhere else, you're driving uh, past uh, Balboa and 4th, swing on into Uncle Boy's. Get yourself a burger to go. Get the lumpia. Get the onion rings. You pick up the French fries, you're going to be awfully happy. But believe me, lumpia onion rings, it's the way to go, along with whatever delicious burger you get from Uncle Boy's. We look forward to hopefully seeing uh, our friends from Uncle Boy's at our first Plus Mania. Uh, Ike has told me that he's going to even try to fly in for it. Uh, he is going to be somewhere else. He's going to be in Arizona or L.A. or something the night before, but he's thinking about flying in for Plus Mania, and you will be sipping blackened whiskey at Plus Mania at Victory Hall because my friend Charles is going to be there pouring and uh, letting you know how good blackened whiskey is. Forget about my word for it. Excuse me. Ooh, a little, little verklempt right there. Forget about my word for it. Uh, you come try Black and Whiskey for yourself and do so at Victory Hall this Saturday when you're uh, partying with the Plucers. It's going to be a real, real good time. Uh, we have already, we have, I have on Twitter, excuse me, on X, uh, 
On X, uh, I have shared the sign-up sheet, the Eventbrite sign-up sheet. If you could go ahead and sign up, if you're thinking of coming, that would give us an idea of the headcount, and we would really, really appreciate that. Looks like we've got a lot of people who are coming out, and we look forward to that. We really, really do. Uh, little NFL news to share with you here on a Thursday edition of the Plus. Uh, we got Matt Barrows from down at training camp sharing the news that the 49ers have officially made it official with Frank Gore who is now part of their front office. Now, obviously, Frank Gore is not going to be in charge of controlling the cap or helping Parag get deals done. Uh, kind of a right-hand man to John Lynch to, I think, provide you know some player motivation, uh, sort of an oracle that any 49er player should be very interested about going to talking to about a, a career in, in football and how to maintain a career in football. Frank Gore is the Fraggle Rock equivalent of the trash heap for the 49ers. You know, go ask Marjorie all of your questions. She'll know the answer. Frank Gore knows the answer about long Hall of Fame bound NFL careers, does he not? Matt Barrows said his title is football personnel advisor, but it should be dog detector because Frank Gore has a knack for seeing who's a real dog and who's a poser. Yes, he does. You know, steel sharpens steel, iron sharpens iron. Dogs can spot a dog. And Frank Gore was certainly a dog in his career. Just a great, great player, a great Niner, their all-time leading rusher. Having a guy around like that guy, your football locker room has to be good for a locker room. I don't care what his title is or what you're calling him or what you're pretending he does. His official title should be Frank Gore. See that guy right there? That guy right there? He That, that guy right there is Frank Gore. His official title is Mr. Frank Gore. Personally, I'm just happy for Frank because when I heard that he was, you know, exiting his football career to start a boxing career, I thought, well, here's a guy who doesn't need to be hit anymore in his life. And why is he doing this? And I hope it's not a money concern. And, you know, it, it just it sounded it sounded beneath the stature, the status of Frank Gore to go into some, you know, semi pro boxing career, which he dabbled in for a minute. Look, guys, you know, some guys like to remain physical and throw hands, and I get it. But I'm glad that Frank Gore has found himself like a, a job job. If he even needs one at this point, he obviously loves the game of football and he still wants to be around it. And if you're the 49ers, you'd be crazy to tell a guy like that not to stick around. You know, there are a lot of people in football who should be weeded out for not being the dogs that they really are. And that includes media members who just don't know what they're looking at and don't really know anything but overreaction and turning into the skip Bayless of trying to be the 49ers. It's, it's, it's embarrassing on some, some, uh, some accounts, but I'll tell you, it's an, it's not only a 49er problem. There was a, uh, a video leaked out of Dallas Cowboys practice where apparently Trayvon Diggs called Dak, Dak Prescott, a bitch says, shut your bitch ass up after a play. Okay. So, you know, now Dak is getting asked about that because the video leaked. This is what happens when you invite iPhones into your training camp. 
So that video leaked and you got all these, you know, reporters saying, what, what's going on? Or can you talk to your quarterback that way? That's not how teammates should talk to teammates. That's, oh my goodness. That's not how you're supposed to address anybody in a place of work and all this. You, God, you're all such pussies. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Football ain't for you. It ain't for everybody. Some of you should just watch it, and you really don't want to know how the sausage is made. Here's what happens on a football field. The most filthy, disrespectful, talking shit amount of language you will ever hear in your life makes the NBA look like an elementary school play. You got guys out there writing checks with their mouth that they're trying to cash with their bodies. It is savage. And then like the old, what, sheepdog and wily Coyote videos, at the end of the day, everybody punches the clock and you go home friends. That's what football teams have been doing since the dawn of the sport of football. Sure, you're all teammates and you all fight together on game day. You fight with each other a little bit at practice. You certainly fight with each other while you're all fighting out for positions on a team. And then when the flag goes up on the actual season, you all put that behind you and now you're a team. It's rough out there. And I'll tell you, Dak Prescott handled this perfectly. He basically said, nobody gets upset about words being said when you're competing at a high level and you believe your side is better than the other side. That's mutual, and that's iron sharpening iron. Hey, what do you know? There's that phrase again. You know, sounds meatheady, doesn't it? It's the truth. It's the truth, especially about the sport of football. You know, you got to be, you got to be tough to play football professionally. And as a media member, it would help if you weren't some pearl-clutching total pussy and think, oh, my God, well, that's offensive. That's offensive. That can't happen. That can't. Oh, my God, listen to these words. Dude, I played one year of college football at Iona, Division One, Double A, the lowest rung of the ladder of Division One football. And those football practices were the most adult language potty mouth you wouldn't believe what you heard and what guys called each other words being thrown around like you wouldn't believe and that was at Iona I can't even imagine what football is like at the professional level actually I don't need to imagine I've been there I've been there I've seen it I've heard it everyone needs to calm down everyone needs to grow a spine the single worst thing that has happened to the United States is everybody tapping into their personal sensitivities as hard as humanly possible to examine everything that happens. Drives me nuts. Drives me nuts. Get tough. Get tough. Did you see what Nathaniel Hackett said at New York Jets training camp? Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, finally went to the podium to talk about all the nasty things that Sean Payton said about him. And look, Sean Payton said that Nathaniel Hackett stunk as an NFL head coach. And that's the reason why the Broncos stunk. And he said that because a, there's a lot of truth to it. B he's doing everything he can to bolster the confidence of Russell Wilson and C he's also protecting himself. 
He's also bragging how, you know, the other guy didn't know what he's doing. I know what I'm doing and we're going to get this fixed. But the other guy was so bad, it might take me more than just a year to fix it. Like there's some self-serving sentiment being offered up by Sean Payton, who, again, is breaking what we all know as the code between coaches where you don't go and really put on record your criticism of other coaches and their programs and how they go about it and so on and so forth. Coach on coach crime has always been discouraged in the coaching ranks at all levels of coaching, to be totally honest. So Aaron Rodgers, he swings back at Sean Payton, which he should do because Nathaniel Hackett is his guy from the days of way back and the present time because he's now his offensive coordinator once again with the New York Jets. So Hackett finally gets up and talks to the Jets media who wants to ask him about all the nasty things that Sean Payton said about him and don't you like the fact that Aaron Rodgers was defending you and all the, all you know, everything. And basically, all he said was, you know, Sean Payton, I'm so disappointed. That guy broke the code, broke the code, broke the code, you know, just to... Shut up, Nathaniel Hackett. Shut up, Nathaniel Hackett. Come clean, dude. It's not one person's opinion that you weren't a good head coach. It is provable in the court of law that you sucked about as hard and as quickly as any NFL head coach has ever sucked as hard and as quickly to be identified as this guy was the wrong hire as you did. It was a... Class five tornado level disaster that went through the city of Denver and the Broncos facility. And it was called the, the name of the tornado was Nathaniel Hackett. That guy broke the, he officially left a franchise in worse shape than when he found it. And he didn't even last the entire year. He sucked. He sucked. And I'm happy that Sean Payton isn't saying, well, based on the code, I can't tell you that the other guy sucked when you all knew that he sucked. I mean, what are we doing here? You want to know what Nathaniel Hackett should have done when he got up in front of that New York media yesterday? He should have said, you know what? Sean Payton was right. I stunk out loud last year and was a laughingstock from week one right up until when I got fired at the end of the year. Didn't even last the entire year. That's how out of my depth I was as a head coach. I'm a great offensive coordinator as a head coach. I sucked. Sean Payton knows more about being a successful head coach in this league than most people ever will. I accept his criticism and I want to be better. And I'm taking full accountability for how bad everything went in Denver last year. That would have been some manly ass shit to say. Not, oh, he broke the code. I can't believe he said those things about me. What, you can't believe he said things about you that are true? Like, how, how is Hackett going to then turn around and preach to his team personal accountability when he won't take any for himself? You know, you're not out of a job in Denver because of what Sean Payton said about you. You're out of a job in Denver because you weren't qualified for it from day one. You were the wrong hire. It was easy to see that. I mean, I remember Denver opening up week one last year in Seattle. That team looked as discombobulated through every four quarters of an opening game as you could possibly look. They were dreadful. So 
So isn't it nice, by the way, to have some NFL training camp stories that have nothing to do with uh, how many passes did Brandon Allen complete today in Santa Clara? Like, I, I can't take any more of that shit. I really can't. Did you see that uh, billionaire, eccentric owner, pill-popping, crazy person, Jim Ursay? Uh, is going to spend $20 million of his own money to fly an orca to Seattle to be natural, naturally released to the, to, the, to the wild? Billionaire philanthropist and Indianapolis Colts owner Jim Ursay is backing a $20 million plan to release an orca from her enclosure in Miami and release her in a bay near Seattle. Again, that's what dolphins to Seahawks is the longest cross country flight an NFL team can take. I'm I'm sure it's the longest cross country flight an orca has ever taken. Um, and and you know this should actually be a really good bit of PR because if there's one thing I know, like we love animals, people love animals. We check the box on help animals more than we check the box on help people. For goodness sakes, uh, and, and normally helping animals always sells and people gobble it right up as they should. You should want to help animals. Animals really can't help themselves for the most part. So, you know, be friendly to animals. Well, this is really just pissing off the NFL community, mostly running backs and mostly Colts fans, because this is the same guy who is driving a wedge between the franchise he owns and its best player, Jonathan Taylor, over, you know, a $12 million extension. You know, taking care of a guy who is taking care of your franchise and really produced for you. And you're saying, no, 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 no. We're not going to pay him, but I'll spend double that to fly a whale who is doing nothing to help the Colts win or lose games across the country. So I'll spend more money on whale transportation than I will on my starting running back. That's a tough sell in Indianapolis. That's a tough sell everywhere. Jim Ursay, $20 million to put an orca in the air. I do. I, I, so what are you going to do? Like rent a, one of those huge, huge planes where the entire front of it opens up to load it. Like you carry army tanks and shit in. And then you, you close that up and you fly it to Seattle and you, what well, you got a, like a tank of water sloshing around in the plane. And there's an orca in that tank of water. I mean, what the hell is this, this needs to be a documentary. And then I want a documentary of Jonathan Taylor watching that documentary, watching, Orca flight 101 over here and his own bank account on another screen over here. That's what I want. I want two documentaries. The Orca, how did they do it? And the Jonathan Taylor, how pissed is he that they're doing it documentary? It all works together. Symbiosis. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll hop into Club Plus here. In, in just a minute, but I got to let you know that we got uh, Diamondbacks and Giants this afternoon in the city of San Francisco. It is a 1245 lunchtime start for the Giants. It's getaway day for the Diamondbacks. Uh, the Giants won their 60th game of their season last night and can take three of four from Arizona with a win today. They're two and a half back of the Dodgers in the National League West. Friday, an off day for San Francisco. Their next road trip just carries them across the Bay Bridge to Oakland as the Bay Bridge series resumes 
on Saturday and Sunday. And again, on Saturday, we're going to be watching the Bay Bridge series from Victory Hall together at Plus Mania starting around three o'clock. I think the game starts in the four o'clock hour and we're all going to be hanging out together on Saturday afternoon at Victory Hall. Please go to the Eventbrite sheet, sign on up and come on by if you've got the time. We'd love to see you. In bad news, though, for the Giants, um, the thing that they added at the trade deadline, which will be most evident that they added it, uh, will be, are you ready? A patch. The Giants finally caved and will have an on-the-sleeve patch. What, starting today against Arizona Saturday in Oakland. I, I don't know. They're, they're, they're dark on Friday. They're not playing on Friday. Um, Cruz, the driverless car, the driverless car. And that's still crazy, man. I'm driving around and you look over in the car next to you. There's not a soul in it, not a passenger, not a driver. It's an automated car. I'll never get used to seeing that. Or maybe I will someday, but I'm certainly not used to seeing it now, even though I see it almost on a daily basis. Always catches me a little off guard. Anyway, we've seen these cruise cars all around San Francisco, and they are now the primary on-jersey patch sponsor for the San Francisco Giants. Um, the patch looks like a matchbox car. It's it the patch doesn't it it doesn't look very good. I don't think there's any patch that could really make me say, oh, I like that. But this one looks particularly bad because you're looking at the car with the rig on top of it, and I don't know. It looks like a land. It looks like something you'd land on the moon more than an actual car. And then it says cruise, which, if you don't mind me saying, is just kind of a weird word to put on the patch uh, of of the San Francisco Giants of all teams. Uh, have you ever seen the Al Pacino movie Cruising? It's about a serial killer who hunts gay men. It's true. It's a movie. It's a bad movie. It's an old Al Pacino movie where Al Pacino goes undercover as a gay man to catch the gay serial killer, the serial killer who is killing other gay men. And so for San Francisco, just to have that, like, that's the first thing I thought of. I wonder if any, uh, look, I hope your brain doesn't work like mine. God help you if it does. But the first thing I thought about is, oh, cruise. That's slang for gay guys hitting on other gay guys at bars. And that's the patch that the Giants got. Again, not that there's anything wrong with that. But I just I can't help but notice the irony. And I pointed it out already on Twitter and people are trying to say, uh, that's terrible, Damon. You should be fired. Fired from what? The plus? I'm, 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 I've decided to retain Damon Bruce here on the plus. Jillian's agreed. Hey, man. Ah, sip of the day, by the way. Mm, that was good. Um, it's, it's, it's just, it's funny to me. It's funny to me. I have a warped sense of humor and that kind of shit is funny to me. Uh, you know, sometimes you got to be careful uh, around the trade deadline because you are sending a message to your your team, whether you believe in it or you don't. Now, the Giants have won a couple of games here since the trade line deadline came and gone, and the only thing they got was worse by adding two right-hand hitters who can't hit right-handed. Um, but, man, when you look around how sometimes a deal can send a positive jolt through a clubhouse, look no further than the north side clubhouse in the city of Chicago. The Cubs, since their trade deadline moves, 
have scored 36 runs over their last two games. They're most in a two-game span in a single season since 1897. So there is a clubhouse that's got a little bounce in its step, right? Jesse Rogers says the Cubs are the first team to have 10 extra base hits and five home runs in consecutive games in Major League history. So, you know, they're feeling frisky. Another funny way to talk about all this is that the Cincinnati Reds have allowed 36 runs this month, and it's only August 3rd, and they haven't even played on August 3rd yet. So great start to August for the Cubs. Terrible start to August for the Cincinnati Reds. And I I kind of bring up all that to talk about how, do you remember the big three shortstops of last year's free agency? It was Carlos Correa, Trey Turner, and Dansby Swanson. Well, look at what happened. The two guys who got the most amount of pub there are having disastrous seasons, and not that Dansby Swanson was ever billed as, you know, clearly the third choice of the three, but he got much less hype than the other two, and that guy is basically maybe having the best season of any shortstop in baseball this year for the Cubs. Dansby Swanson, you can take the uh, the the runs created, the you can take the war of, I think, Correa and Trey Turner add them together, and you don't even get what Dansby Swanson's doing right now. And it's really amazing. Like, Correa, uh, again, this is the guy that the Farhan said, yes, even though I'm really scared about spending with anyone, I want to spend mega bucks with this guy right here, and but for a doctor who said, don't do that, it would have happened. And it all looked bad about the Giants, but thank God they didn't get into the Correa business based on how the Correa business has started in Minnesota. He's hitting 225 with 12 home runs, and it's a terrible start to a six-year, $200 million contract where he's making like $33 million a year. Trey Turner, meanwhile, he ends up in Philadelphia, and there are some players who get to Philadelphia and it feels right. And there are other players who wilt almost immediately. And you can just tell they ain't cut out for Philadelphia heat pressure, all that stuff. And Trey Turner is really checking that box, man. Trey Turner's OPAs, OPS ranks 132nd out of 144 qualifying players. His 14 errors are tied for the second most in the majors. He has been awful. As it was pointed out by uh, a member of the Philadelphia Phillies media, if Trey Turner had just been a C- minus instead of an F, who knows where the Phillies would be right now? Meanwhile, Dansby Swanson, the guy who was billed as the, what, the least among that great shortstop class of last year is having far, far and away the best year of the three of them. That's for sure. Things change quickly. And we're looking at sports as evidence of that. We're looking at conference realignment as evidence of that. Um, and we're looking at the way the media functions as clear evidence of that. And I thought we would end today's Damon Bruce show with this bit of media morsel that comes from across the pond um, the, the the Atlantic pond, not the pond that the orca is being flown to, the other pond. Uh, in England, in England, broadcast television has seen the sharpest fall in viewership since records began, and anyone even bothered to track this stuff. And I can tell you right now, the only thing I know is that whatever happens on English television 
It happens there first, then it happens on American television. Television. I mean, we half half the shows you are watching are ripoff of ideas that were had in England. The Evening Standard says the proportion of people watching traditional TV each week has declined from 83% back in 2021 to just now 79% in 2022. 83 to 79 now, just 4%. But if that keeps going, I mean, you, you get out of the 70s quickly. This is a changing world that we are all living in. Again, the Giants got patches of cars that are driverless on their jerseys. Similarly, uh, similarly, I guess I should say, the media watchdog is saying that the average time spent watching broadcast television per day fell from two hours and 59 minutes, nearly three hours in 2021, to just about two and a half hours the following year. So people are consuming less television than ever before, and they're consuming less linear television than ever before. And when they do watch it, they're watching it for a shorter amount of time. So click and subscribe, hit that like button, and welcome to the Plus here on YouTube. That's where the whole world is going. And it's good to be here now. It's great to have you here once again. And thank you so much. If you're just listening on the podcast, we're really cool with that, too. That's groovy. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. I forgot to turn that light on, which I need to do when I start turning this light off and disco lights on as we get into Club Plus, which is about to happen right now. Meanwhile, thank you so much for tuning in today. And please do remember that sports don't build character. They reveal it. And like that, whew, he's gone.